Good day, and welcome to Sea to Ski with Sarah and T, putting the P in professionally managed vacation rentals. This is the Vacation Rental Management Professionals Podcast, coming to you from the Outer Banks of North Carolina and from the Rocky Mountains of Colorado. I'm Sarah Bradford from Winter Park and Steamboat Springs. And I'm Tim Cafferty from the Outer Banks of North Carolina and Sandbridge, Virginia. Together, we bring you the first podcast focused solely on professionally managed vacation rentals across the nation, or as we like to call it, Sea to Ski with Sarah and T. In the next 30 minutes, we hope you'll join us on our journey as we dive into issues affecting folks like us, the professional vacation rental manager, allowing you to run your business more effectively, make more money, and most importantly, have fun doing it. Welcome back. We are back and better than ever. It's Sea to Ski with Sarah and T, and we are celebrating six months of podcasting greatness. Okay, we're celebrating four months of pretty good podcasting and expressing apologies still for the other two months, but who's counting? Anyway, Sarah, how's it going today? Can't believe it's been six months. How about that? I'm doing great. How are you, Tim? How's the Outer Banks here in March now that we're in the springtime, I guess, for you? We are in a good pattern. More warm days than cold, and so we can feel spring. Boy, it's exciting time. Lots of organization going on, and we're getting ready for a good season. So, you know, in our last episode, we talked about the five foundations of success reservation sales, and as always, we thank you for your comments out there. I heard from Adam Norris of Blue Ridge Mountain Rentals in Boone, North Carolina, Sarah. He heard the episode where I invited our listeners to pick up the phone and call me. So he picked up the phone and called me. And he got through on the first try. And we had a delightful talk about the vacation rental companies uh, that we own. And we talked for probably a half hour. So thank you, Adam, for listening. And thanks for calling. That just reminded me of the old radio stations when they'd say the eighth caller will win the prize. (laughs) Remember, and you'd try and try to be the eighth caller, but you didn't have eight callers. You just had one. So far, just one. Okay. Well, we had a lot of shout outs on Facebook. So we encourage you guys to interact with us there. And thank you for going there this week. After the reservation episode, we heard from Sarah Moss, one of your own on the reservation team at Outer Banks Blue. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Sarah, for what you posted. And then Laura Pitt of Future Stay had some comments on there. My favorite was David Washburn. David was our Navis consultant way back in the day when we started with Navis. And I don't even know if it was. 2010 or something so we know him well and he's now at Russian River Getaways he actually didn't just look at the board that I posted I posted that picture I promised I would of our information board in our office for reservation staff to see goals and who's doing well and red hot properties and things and David must have blown it up and read each thing it said and he had a really (laughs) funny comment so please Go out, go over there and uh, check it out on Facebook and see if you see what he saw. <laughs> That's great. One of your other buddies checked in with us, too. Who's that? Oh, Dirk. Dirk, hello. How oh, I forget Dirk? Yeah. He didn't write on the Facebook page, but he sent an email out to his entire subscriber list saying that we have a pretty cool podcast. So thank you, Dirk. And last but not least, our friend Mike Cops of VRMA. He reached out to me verbally, and he also reached out to me on LinkedIn. He said he wants to connect with me on LinkedIn. So what do you think, Sarah? Should I do it? I don't know. 
That Verma had, yeah, it's sketchy. He promised that if we do the podcast again at Verma this year, that he will absolutely positively be sure the episode is recorded for us. So I did accept him. And we're officially connected on LinkedIn, Mike Cops and I. So it's another milestone day here on Sea to Ski with Sarah and T. We hope to hear from you guys. Well, so on this week's podcast, we're circling back on something that we touch on on every single podcast open. In our open, which you just heard a few minutes ago, we talk about running your business more effectively and making more money. And so we have decided to do a three-part episode on profitability. We're going to talk about 10 ways to find 10 extra percent on the expense side of the business. We're going to do part two the next time is 10 ways to find 10% extra for you on the income side of the business. And part three is most exciting for me. And that's what we give you tips on creating a budget that will actually work. So exciting stuff here on profitability and running your business more effectively, Sarah. And if you have an entrepreneur spirit, which you most likely do if you're running a vacation rental company, Every year, Tim, it seems like we're adding on expenses. It's so easy, especially if you go to the Verma conference because, oh, I want that little shiny new feature. That's $5 per property. Mm-hmm. Oh, I want that service. We have to have it. That's 250 for every usage, and it adds. And if you're not budgeting right and you're not looking at that, the license fees, the fancier phone system, the faster computers, list goes on you're going to all of a sudden have crazy costs that are affecting your bottom line in a negative way. I've heard a lot of companies in their growth period go through this and that all of a sudden they're not making money. Maybe they never made money, but the question is how often do you go back to those vendors? Do you push them on price or do you just say, well, that's been my price for 10 years, so whatever. And then as you get bigger, Do you know as you're growing, you have more impact on the other company's bottom line? Don't just sit there and not ask to negotiate on price. Everyone else does it to you, right? And so by doing this, I think you should do it at least every year. You consciously go through all of your expenses and you can push and push and push and see what else you can squeeze out. And I've seen one year we got up to 15% out of our expenses, which as you're getting to be a bigger company can be big money. Show me the money. So it all goes to the bottom line. So that's number one on vendors. I just wanted, as you were saying that, I I just pulled back. I happen to be looking at my budget. I don't mind telling you, I have $6 million in expenses on my P&L this year. If I cut 1% out, that's $60,000 to my bottom line. So I hope you folks are tuned in on this because we spend some serious money in this business and there's a lot to be learned. So number one was vendors. Number two, I would say credit cards, credit card fees, and rewards. So we've covered this briefly before, but it's a good opportunity to emphasize that you have a lot of the expenditures to make. And so I'm not going to make a comment on what the best ones are in terms of the rewards anyway, but American Express, Visa, MasterCard, Discover, they all provide points programs. And some of them are very aggressive on what you can convert your points into. So in our maintenance department alone, as I'm looking at my budget here, I see we will be spending more than $100,000 in 2018 on parts. We also have monthly recurring bills like utilities and dues and housekeeping purchases. It all adds up quickly. So if I use credit card, to pay for those items, I gain points and I can use that for travel, for gift cards, for employee incentives, year-end gifts, 
all of which saves you money on your expenses if you focus on this stuff. So when we talk about credit card fees, I think of credit card fees and rewards, but you have another take on this as well. Yeah, I'm all about the rewards. Don't get me wrong. But when I say credit card fees, the other thing that comes to mind is completely different subject, which is when you charge guests for their whatever they're paying, the percent that you have to pay the credit card company. And we talked about this on a not so hot off the press a couple episodes mm-hmm. ago about making sure that that's not going up too far or it's going up at all with some latest news that's come out. But this is, again, as you're growing, some of you are having exponential growth. And if you go from, let's say, 500 grand of revenue to 1.5 million in a year, you should be going back to your credit card company and saying, hey, what are you going to do for me? And again, back to the percentage, that can mean a lot. 0.1% change on 5 million is 5,500 bucks. And you might go, oh, it's just 5,500 bucks. Well, that goes straight into your pocketbook. I mean, I can think of a lot to do with 5,500. And with your 60,000, I mean, what are you getting, Tim? What are you going to buy? Like a new boat? <laughs> How about an airline <laughs> ticket to Colorado? So I come check out your operation there. Yeah, it's $60,000. <laughs> um, so, you know, you got to ask for that. So that's number two. Number three, we call it utilities. I was calling it phone, but Tim calls it utilities because it does involve so much more than just your phone. Phone service, whether it's your in-house phones or your cell phones, we give all of our employees fancy iPhones and we pay for their service. You should be renegotiating that every year. There are a lot of service providers, especially for your landline phones, or maybe you're doing voice over IP and you should shop it around. Again, why not save 500 bucks or 1000 bucks a year? All those little pieces add up, and it might take you 20 minutes to call and renegotiate that. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Tim? I, I think it's great. You were the one that came up with this category, so I give you credit. I threw in the utilities because we had my building pictured on Facebook recently. It's a big one. It's 16,500 square feet. I have 11 thermostats in this building. So I have 11 air conditioning and heating zones. And I have $135,000 budgeted for utilities this year. And so $135,000 in utilities. Yes. Now, that's not just electric. No, I think ours is probably like five grand. Well, still, but we talk about smart homes all the time for our rental houses. What about... Our offices, how about a smart thermostat? I don't need the heat to be on 70 degrees from 9 o'clock at night till 8 o'clock in the morning. So it's going to cost me a little bit to replace the 11 thermostats, but I'll bet you I make it up pretty quickly. And, again, when you think about utilities, Internet, you talked about phone, you're not going to be able to negotiate with the utilities, obviously, but any way you can cut your bills. If I cut my bill 10%, that's thirteen thousand five hundred dollars and so we're looking at voice over ip as opposed to their traditional lines just think about what you're spending and ask yourself the question why yeah and we switched to voice over ip it's gone really well i was nervous in a mountain town that that would not be good connection and we're saving a bunch of money that way and also tim with phones a lot of times you have a several 800 numbers for whatever reason, right? Look at your 1-800 numbers. Do you need that many? (laughs) Each one is so expensive. And lately, I believe you don't really need 800 numbers because there's no phone bills for people anymore. So they might just also call your local number. Tim and I have debated this, Mm -hmm. but don't just 
have 100, 800 numbers out there and let it ride. Evaluate that. See if you're using them anymore and cut them off if you're not. That brings us to number four on our 10 ways to squeeze 10 more percent. How about gasoline? Do you know where your guys are buying gas and how much it is? Just letting them go out there willy-nilly and do whatever? You could expand that as well to, like, fleet maintenance. Changing the oil, making sure the tires are rotated, that kind of stuff saves you money in the long run. But make sure your people are keeping up with the vehicles and make sure they're doing what you think they should be doing when it comes to gas. How much is gas out there, by the way, right now? Oh, my dad's going to be so disappointed because he looks every day. I'm not sure. I think it's like $2.60. Okay. How about you? It's about two twenty here. But still, okay. every place is different, and it changes. So be ready. So that's number yep. four. Gasoline, I recommend you get a gas card, too, and it makes it a lot easier to track it all than mm-hmm. every, letting everybody use credit cards all over the place with gasoline. Okay. Number five is overtime, the age-old overtime card, right? Watch it closely or it gets out of control. I think it's okay to question if it's necessary. It doesn't mean you have to make someone feel bad. They went worked overtime. Maybe it's very busy time, and that's what you have to be doing. But question it, because if you don't question it, and they, your employees go, oh, she didn't even notice. I did 10 hours. I got double time pay. Mm-hmm. Then it might keep happening and happening. And as you get bigger, that adds up. So you need to signal to the staff that that's okay at certain times. You need to ask permission, whatever your policies are. And then I think it'll happen less. What do you? How do you handle overtime, Tim? Well, I was going to ask you a question before that, and that is how you handle payroll. How are your people giving you hours? Are you writing it down on a piece of paper, or do you have a system in place? What are you guys doing there? That's a good point, too. We use T-sheets, and they log in electronically to clock in and clock out Mm -hmm. if they're hourly, and it's by IP address, so they can't do that unless they're at work. How about you? Well, fairly recently, we moved away from the old paper and pen. Literally, people were keeping track of their hours on paper, but we went to this electronic payroll system, and we went to a service, and we were doing it in-house for payroll and everything. And the first year we outsourced payroll and started that electronic payroll system, I saved more than $100,000. Your responsibility is not to pay someone 40 hours a week. It's their responsibility to work 40 hours. And if they're done for the day, send them home. Our, our policy as well it may sound harsh, but it's true. If you are going to work overtime, it needs to be approved by your supervisor. There's certainly there's times that overtime is necessary, but I want the supervisor aware of it in advance, not just willy-nilly, oh, yeah, I'm going to get an extra 15 minutes today, because it does add up very quickly. So overtime is just a time, it's a money suck as well. So explain to me and, and the listeners, if they're confused too, why just switching from paper to something like T-sheets that we use, how did that save you so much money? What was happening before that's not happening now? Well, people were not clocking in and out properly. They arrived at 9.05, but they put 8.55 on their piece of paper. Or, ah. or they took a 10-minute smoke break that was mm-hmm. never noted. And did they really s- sign in and out on that piece of paper? Did they have a boyfriend in the room that you know kind of came in and put 5 o'clock because we have some people with relationships or what have you? Those kinds of things can happen. We always want to think the best of our staff, but I'm telling you, there's something about what you just talked about with the IP address and logging in and having to click in and out and having it on a log that a supervisor can read and go, Bill, you weren't here at 845. Yeah. So it, it was a huge savings for us. 
lots of people fudge a bit, just they don't want to be get attention or they feel badly. But when you do it that way, you can see a chronic person, a person that's chronically late as well. Exactly. So let's get on to number six. It it's is. Huge. We're moving to marketing. Google AdWords and in, in marketing in general, what other cost savings can you find out there in marketing? Google AdWords is an easy one because you could just set it. They have your credit card and they will hit it. Bam, bam, bam at $500 a pop until you stop. And so if you don't know what's going on, man, you can lose your shirt on Google AdWords. Watch it closely. Stop those campaigns that don't produce the dollars and make sure you know what you're spending your money on. Couldn't agree more. I used to try to do AdWords myself when we were little and I would get into it every week and think I was watching it. Then I got really busy and just forgot about it for a month. And I'd check back in and say, $10,000. <laughs> so, you know, they don't alert you that they're charging you every day. So if you spend some time on AdWords, not just watching it, but honing your keywords and having an expert or somebody in your staff that's an expert on that, you can get a lot more return if you uh, tweak it often and watch the performance that you get. So that, that can just save you money and get you more bookings. Number seven, I'm going to the ever sexy topic of general liability insurance. <laughs> so this stuff bores me, but Chris, my husband shopped this around recently and found that we were overpaying by a lot mm -hmm. for general liability. Now, most insurance companies do not love our business. Right now, it, it kind of fluctuates. And I actually was just talking to an insurance agent about this and said some years they're fine with it, some years they're freaking out about the vacation rental industry, the cleaning, the maintenance, that kind of stuff. So the reason you need to shop it is see maybe these, these rates change. And it's so expensive that if you can reduce it by five grand, why not? It's still insurance. What do you think? I do. I think that that's great. But not only liability insurance, all of your insurances. Uh, there's a lot of companies out there. You look at TV at all, you see all these ads out there that they bundle auto and liability and business owners and whatever other insurances. And so make sure you're shopping for everything. Back to the number one item. Make sure your vendors are on their toes and not fat and happy and driving a brand new Cadillac. Number eight. Cleaning, audit cleaning, and inspections. Okay, so this was actually your idea, but you got to watch this closely. Are people using the products the way they're supposed to? So my contribution on this is our cleaners actually come here to the office, and they check out the materials. And I have a bank. I bought a bank. We actually, my real estate office has the largest vault on the Outer Banks, <laughs> even all of the banks that are actually in business. Envy my vault. It's 250 square feet. It's huge. And it's got, you know, like this three-foot concrete and the big doors on the hinges, and it's got, like, the cage on the inside. And we keep the chemicals in there, <laughs> and the vacuum cleaners, and all the stuff that they check out. And so you can't get a new bottle of oven cleaner Unless you give me the empty bottle of oven cleaner. I'm telling you, we Tim, must have saved $10,000 on chemicals last year alone, Sarah. Okay, Tim, you know how my email is um, making noises when it shouldn't, going bing? <laughs> this is a moment when I wish it was doing it because I wanted to go bing and go, Tim's crazy. Can you imagine? <laughs> oh, yes. There, my, my people out there know. Bing. <laughs> this stuff's expensive. <laughs> So Tim has complete control over his chemicals. 
<laughs> I don't even, I told him, I don't even know exactly where my chemicals are. Oh, that's good. No, I do, but that saved you a bunch of money, right? Yes, it did $15,000 in the first year. As yeah, and to, years ago, they, they were trying in. to steal chemicals from you. They were just being a little bit lazy, maybe, and grabbing another bottle. Is that true? Or three or four bottles, yes. Yeah. So I don't think this is necessarily malicious, like the cleaners are taking home gobs of toilet paper. Okay, maybe they are. Yeah, they are. <laughs> I inspected. Yeah, I was inspecting yesterday. I was just going through homes, and I like to do that sometimes. That's another topic. I was realizing from inspecting how many opportunities you have, just even inspecting to throw things away or save it. Like, if the shampoo has not been used, and it's very obvious that it was never touched, you know, or a seal is not broken on something or whatever, I always wonder, do they just throw it away because they brought more? Or same with toilet paper or all these other things. And you have to work on your practices there. Maybe you'll need to lock them up in a bank vault. <laughs> but if you don't have a bank vault, you might have to get a process down where they understand the expectation that you want to save products. Because, again, when you get bigger, that stuff adds up. And your toilet paper bill can go from $10,000 a year to $13,000 a year, and there's another three grand. What is the point? And plus, it's not good to throw away products that are not used yet. Okay, so let me just make sure I have this visual image right. You do not have a little teeny tiny funnel where you're pouring unused shampoo into bottles, right? No. Okay. I was going to say, you call me crazy. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> okay. Crazy Sarah moment. Yeah, okay. I just mean like we give the little Aveda shampoo, conditioner, yeah. and soap, and you can tell the soap. I mean, the soap has a nice brown wrapper that says Aveda. If it's not used, it's not used. There's no reason right. why they need to throw that one away and put another one out. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll let you go there. All right. What's okay. next? Number nine. Moving on. Number nine is lease versus purchase. And um, Tim has a really good approach on this. I thought of a different different idea here. This is kind of like credit card fees. We went in totally different directions. Yep. But lease versus purchase, I think of this with buildings. So, again, you're growing from a small company. Many of us started very, very small and have gotten quite big. And so when you're starting, you're trying to save every penny and I'll just rent this little space. And all of a sudden you have a kludgy connection of a, renting this part over here. And then you have this, maybe your linens and laundry are over here. And then you have this other thing rented and you're all smashed in one spot. And you just keep on going like that because every day is busy. I would just encourage you to once a year look at your situation like that with space for your people, for your products and say, should we be buying something? Does it make sense to do make a capital investment so that we all can be together or we have more space or it's better uh, for traffic going by, like a billboard effect, or when you bought your big building? And Tim, I think you understand this probably even more than me, that there's a lot of tax implications and benefits of owning your own building versus just keep throwing money away in rent. Absolutely. So where I went with this was a little different, and that is lease purchase purchase on equipment. So it makes sense to purchase some things, but it make, may make more sense to lease other things. I thought immediately of my copiers. We always used to purchase our copiers, and then we'd pay 
a couple of thousand bucks a year in maintenance costs because the thing got jammed or the toner cartridge didn't fit and the dude had to come from an hour and a half away because, of course, we're in a resort community like all of you are that are out there. And so now we lease, and the maintenance is included, and it's been a savings of about $3,000 a year just on our copiers alone. So just make sure you are looking at this stuff and figure out what's best for you. Okay, I need to find out, what are you copying? Why do you have a giant copier? We like printed paper. <laughs> well, out in Colorado here, we're very tree huggery, oh, no pun gosh. intended. Yeah. And uh, we have this little junky printer that's probably worse than the one in your home office. Oh, wow. <laughs> so um, we're saving money just by not printing like, like Tim is. All right, number 10, and that is the favorite word of everyone, which is coming up soon, April 15th, taxes. Mm-hmm. So you need to invest in a good CPA, folks. So personal experience here. I'm not going to call any names. A lot of folks listen here locally. I used a local CPA for years. Good old guy, very friendly, always looking out for me. He, but he was very conservative, and he played everything safe. And then it was suggested to me that I have this other person look at my taxes, who is a CPA and a tax attorney, and he is out of the area. He's in a metropolitan area, and he works with other businesses like mine. The first year I went to him, I saved $132,000 in federal and state income taxes. The first year. Boom. Wow. Name Donald Trump? No. Just kidding. No, I'm not giving his <laughs> name out. <laughs> so. Yeah, everyone's going to know want to know what this guy's name is, and Tim is not putting it on Facebook, apparently. <laughs> I am not, go, but they're out uh, there. Yeah, I'm going to go the opposite way with this, though, Tim. Okay. I, I absolutely agree with Tim. you got to find out what you're allowed to do within the law to save money on taxes. But I also think it's incredibly important that you're working with a CPA and asking questions and sharing with that CPA truly how you're doing business to make sure if you did get audited and to understand what audits are all about, that you are putting things in the right expense categories and you won't be in trouble down the road. Mm -hmm. Things like how do you pay for gas in your car or how are you paying for your properties or when you use credit cards at Costco and maybe the meat that you buy isn't for the office, <laughs> things like that, to be sure that you're covering it where how you're supposed to keep your receipts, all of, again, that boring stuff is important for your business. Now, that doesn't save you any money. I guess I'm off topic there, but you can do that with your CPA, too. Yeah, it's important. Hey, I've got a bonus one, too. That was number 10. Number 11, if you want. We've already talked about this one as well, but it fits in here perfectly. Sign your own checks. Mm. You have got to look at these bills, folks. And when you see a bill that doesn't look right, don't just sign the check. Understand why you're signing it. So, that's Tim, I got to say that is such a that's a pullover moment. Hang on, ding. That's not a Tim crazy. That is. I started doing. I'm embarrassed to say the past couple of years I haven't signed my own checks, and I love my accountant. She's my full time accountant. I trust her with my life, but. It wasn't so much that we someone was stealing from me. It's by signing the checks, you start questioning the expenses, and you see where money's going. You go, wait a minute. Why did we pay for that? Mm -hmm. Gosh, that person overcharged. We should be doing this. And you, you, you learn a lot about your business just by questioning the checks. You absolutely do. 
So that was a game changer for me years ago, and I've always uh, kept it since then. So, so now it's time for not so hot off the press, but definitely happening. And we have a definite twist on a regular segment today. Sarah, I have a confession to make. I am in love. Y- yes, with my wife, Deb, certainly, but I also am in love with a nine-year-old young lady from Texas who's caught my eye. Riley Furlong is amazing, strong, beautiful, and she happens to be the daughter of Bill Furlong, who is a mutual friend of ours. Bill is the vice president of the North American Division of HomeAway, and his daughter Riley has cancer. Tim yeah. told me he was going to tell me something and not tell me till we are live on the broadcast. Yep. She has a form of leukemia known as acute lymphoblastic leukemia, or all, A-L-L. So Riley has gone through chemotherapy courageously, and now she's ready for the next phase of her treatment, which is a bone marrow transplant. And so Riley is not asking you for a transplant. And she says that on the cutest video you have ever seen in your life on YouTube. And so she also says that she's not asking for your time or your money either. She is asking for your spit. So Riley is looking to have 1,000 people Go to bethematch.org, get a spit kit, and see if you may be a potential bone marrow donor to save somebody's life. And we want to help her do just that. So we're going to post a link on our Facebook page of this video. It's three and a half minutes long. And make sure you stay through to the end because she has some hilarious outtakes on there too. Then after you do that, you go to be the match.org slash spit for Riley and you register. And if you're between the ages of 18 and 45, they will send you the test kit for free. And if you're an old guy like me and you're past the age of 45, you can make a $100 donation and get a kit, which I did today. And so again, her goal is 1000 people to register and we want to help her crush that goal. So, there is also good news to this story in that that appears that there is a donor that has been found for Riley, but that's not what this is all about. She is totally focused on awareness, and now that you are aware, we urge you to take action. BeTheMatch.org slash spit for Riley. Thank you, Tim. Tim didn't tell me that ahead of time, so now I can't even talk. Just think about your own little kiddo. Yep. That is... I'm so glad they found a match for her. Yep. So let's find matches for other people. Okay, we'll put that on Facebook the second this goes live. Very good. Okay, well, that will do it for this time. Next time, we're going to talk about 10 ways on the income side that you can find uh, maybe 10 more percent for you. And so we need to recap quickly, as we always do. We want to give you these takeaways so you can write them down, or maybe you missed one going along. And uh, you started it off with number one, Sarah. Vendors. I feel so silly talking about this now after talking about that. Oh, it's all good news. Riley's good. Okay, back to vendors. Stick it to them. (laughs) Spit on them, too. Ask for better better rates. Okay, number two, credit card fees and rewards. Make sure you are getting the best deal you can from your processor and make sure you're using your credit cards to best advantage on the other end. And number three, utilities. Every year, see if you can get a better deal on phones, on your electric bill, whatever it might be, and replace all those thermostats and save money like Tim is. 
I am going to do it. Number four, gasoline and fleet maintenance. Make sure you are not throwing your money out the back of your trucks. No pun intended. <laughs> Number five is overtime. Be sure a supervisor approves overtime and watch it closely. And we highly recommend using online time tracking tools. Absolutely. Number six, Google AdWords. Boy, you can really spend some money if you're not watching that out. And then marketing in general. Make sure you are spending money in the right places and you are watching your return on investment. Number seven, general liability insurance or all insurance. Really be reaching out every year to see if rates have gone down and if there's a way to save money there on something that's the same, whether it's $8,000 or $10,000. Okay. Number eight is get a bank fault. And put it in your cleaning area so you can protect your chemicals. <laughs> no, that's not it. Oh, no, audit, cleaning, and your inspections. <laughs> Make sure that you're not losing money in that area. Number nine, lease versus purchase. Whether it's equipment, buildings, anything you are owning or considering leasing like vehicles, we now lease all of our vehicles at work, not purchase them. Number 10 is taxes. Make sure you've invested it in a good CPA and that you are within the rules, but you're not paying more than you should. But pay your taxes. Yes, pay your taxes. And then we had a bonus. Sign your own checks. Don't use a stamp. That'll do it, Sarah. All right. That was great, Tim. And we look forward to seeing you all between now and the next podcast online on our website, c2cwithcarenty.com, or on Facebook. Hey, also don't forget the survey still up that we posted in the last podcast with Steve Milo doing the OTAs, third-party thing. Go there and do that test as well. And until we see you again, so long, everybody. Later. Thank you for listening to Sea to Ski with Sarah and T, Professional Vacation Rental Managers Podcast, brought to you by Sarah Bradford of Winter Park Lodging Company and Steamboat Lodging Company, as well as Tim Cafferty of Outer Banks Blue and Sandbridge Blue Realty Services. Together, Sarah and Tim manage more than 600 privately owned vacation rental properties, and both are regarded as experts in the vacation rental management industry. Music provided by Ben Sound. We encourage your participation on this podcast by sharing it with friends, and please feel free to rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Comments or reviews on this particular podcast can be made on their website, see to ski with sarahnt.com, where you can also subscribe to the podcast as well as provide them feedback on this episode or give them ideas for future topics. We look forward to speaking with you next time on See to Ski with Sarah and T.